Uh, the reading can be found on um, page 1182 in the Bibles in the seats. 1182, and it's um, Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever he sows to please the, their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as long as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to be the, to be the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear my own body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Can I have just a couple of people who can come and put all these balls back very, very quick, all these sins, I should say, back very, very quickly and zip up the bag. Go, go, go. That's making it worse, Maddie. <laughs> it worked very well, didn't it? That's it. You got the idea. Quick, quick, quick. Gosh, it's like hungry hippos around here. That's okay. It's all right, I'm not zipping it. I'm just there we go. Thank you, Jonah. Hey, pink ones. Nope, nope, in the bio, in here, please. All of them in here. Lovely, right. Now I did a wonderful, wonderful activity sheet for anyone who didn't think that they could concentrate for the whole of my talk, and then I didn't send it to be printed. However, there are two colouring sheets, and you can always do something on the back of them if you wish. 
all right? If you don't think that you can concentrate for the whole. That's not just children, that's anybody who doesn't think they can concentrate. Okay. There you go, you're going to hang out up here. Brilliant. I need a bit of moral support today. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will bring these words to life as I have prepared them, uh, fully trusting in your goodness and that you will bring power to them and make them your own. Amen. So as we come to the uh, end of our in-depth look at the letter to the Galatians, it's time to gather up everything we've learned and find out what is Paul's ultimate message to the church in Galatia and what it means for us today, if anything. So chapter 6 starts by challenging Paul's readers in two ways. When we see somebody acting in a way that constitutes sin, we should confront that behaviour. However, it should be done gently, thoughtfully, kindly. And we're reminded, or I was certainly reminded, of the story of the unforgiving servant that Jesus told in Matthew 18, where we were shown that the way we are forgiven will match the way that we forgive. Forgiveness, however, is not about ignoring sin. And being forgiven is not an excuse to carry on sinning. And forgiveness here is coupled with restoration. If you can go, yeah, restoration. So that's building a person back up into the fellowship without the sin they've been committing. That is what restoration is. The responsibility that Paul emphasizes here is that we who are within that fellowship of believers should be gentle in our restoration of the sinner, just as we would wish to be restored ourselves. So we're encouraged to look inwardly at our own behavior, assessing whether we have done what we could with the gifts we have been given. And again, I I like uh, a parallel here with the widow's might. Uh, It would be easy to compare ourselves with others if we were all given the same, but we're not. Some of us are given plenty, others are given little. Some have a wealth of gifts, popular in our generation. Others' gifts receive little recognition. Some have a confidence that makes it easier to practice their gifts, while others struggle with self-belief and even fail to recognize that their gifts are their human and spiritual gifts are gifts. But it's not only gifts that are suggested by Paul, it's all of our behaviors and choices. Have we been deceitful? Have we walked away from situations where we should have stayed? Have we given what we should? Or have we allowed others to plug the gaps we've left? The answers to these questions are difficult and unavoidable. But the beauty of Paul's challenge is that we can address our shortcomings, our failings and our negligence before we face our eternal judgment. Not because our actions have influence in our salvation, but because when we are judged, we can bring to God hearts that have honoured him and lived a life of gratitude, or we can bring a biography peppered with dishonor. Paul says, let each one test his own work, for each will have to bear his own 
load. Who we choose to be is our responsibility. And it is for us to choose to look good in the eyes of of those around us, comparing ourselves with others, or to dwell in the truth of who we are in Christ. And Paul continues, reminding us in verse 7, that God is not fooled, nor will he be made a fool of. What we sow, we will reap, whether sooner or later. We cannot behave selfishly, deceptively, or in an unforgiving or unrestoring manner and expect to avoid the consequences. Paul encourages us to continue to choose good and right and loving, even when we start to feel tired of it. Perhaps you can imagine the sort of thoughts that go through our minds with this type of fatigue. What's the point? It doesn't make any difference. I just need to put myself first for a change. It's someone else's turn for once. And even the wonderful Diane admitted to feeling that from time to time. And we're encouraged to look at it from the vantage point of consequences again. What we sow, we will reap. We will see the benefits for ourselves or for others of our faithfulness to him, just as we are warned that the consequences of our negative and sinful behaviour will certainly come back to haunt us and others. When we get to Paul's last point in this letter, we see the return of one of Paul's most dogged insistences. Whatever people are telling you about circumcision is irrelevant. What is important is what God does. And that he is creating something completely new. Be renewed, he says. Remember, it's not what we can do, but what God does in us that matters. The message, the Eugene Peterson translation, contemporizing the Bible that Angie talked about last week, puts verses 15 to 18 this way. Can't you see the central issue in all this? It's not what you and I do, submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It's what God is doing, and he is creating something totally new, a free life. All who walk by this standard are the true Israel of God, his chosen people, peace and mercy on them. And I find that translation really helpful. Steve titled this week's study, The Crux of the Matter. And this translation states that in clear and simple terms. The crux of the matter is grace. It's the freeness of the gift. Just as Sarah was told that she needed to earn her gift, but Charlotte was given it freely and received it just by saying yes. The crux of the matter is grace, who it comes from, and what it means for us and for him. The message of this passage can be put this way. Once we take responsibility for our actions, only then can we own God's grace. We cannot have any possible reason for accepting the free life unless we first accept that we fail to achieve it ourselves. If we ask what word sums up Paul's letter to the Galatians, and surely many of his other letters as well, the answer would be 
grace. If we extend that to a sentence to sum up the letter, how about this? You can't earn it, but you can receive it through grace. Nice. (laughs) In John's first letter, he put it like this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Some of you will be able to say this with me because we've grown up with it as part of our confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And when John says that God is just, we must remember that this justice is inclusive of his grace which substitutes Jesus' sin sacrifice for our own punishment and therefore accepts us as sanctified or cleansed. So we see that God is not focused on circumcision, which which is Paul's way of representing the law, but rather on whether we have accepted our need for his grace. But here and now, the question is not whether we are distracted by the debate on circumcision. Or at least I'm assuming that I'm speaking for all of us there. So what is it that distracts us and confuses us? To circumcise or not to circumcise, is that the question? Has this part of Paul's letter become obsolete? Well, Paul, as I've just said, uses circumcision as a symbol to represent the law of Moses. He talks about circumcision as if it were the whole range of behaviours that imply we have to earn our way to salvation. And I would like to tell you a story which may disturb you. There was once a famous celebrity and fundraiser who believed that he would get to heaven. He talked about his beliefs and he talked about all the good works he had done. He created a story that he would tell about when one day he would come face to face with St. Peter at the pearly gates. And St. Peter would say, you're not coming in, you're a villain. And he would show the debit side, which is what we saw in the demonstration that Diane helped me out with. The debit side all of the wrong things that he had done. And his intended response to St. Peter would be to show him the credit side and say, does that mean anything? He believed that his credit side would take away all of the sins and more. And he would shrug as if to say, all those bad things I did will be cancelled out by all these good things I did. So they will have to let me into heaven. Only after the man died did we find out what those bad things were. And many people feared that our God could be backed into a corner, having to grant admittance into heaven to people who had done despicable things just because they'd raised 40 million for hospitals and such like by running marathons or whatever. We do not believe this to be true. That we can outweigh our sin with good actions. And if you were watching Diane and thinking, what would it look like if I tried to do that? 
This is such a relief. We cannot outweigh the bad with the good. Why is it a relief? God does not have a set of scales that work in this way. No one? See what I did there? Oh, a couple. There you go. Sorry, I had to lighten the mood a little. Good people have not earned their ticket to heaven, however much we would love to think that they've done enough. This is Paul's message. You can't earn it. It's not an earnable thing. Had that celebrity accepted that he needed Christ's salvation because he couldn't achieve it by himself? It certainly doesn't appear to be that way. In fact, he wanted people to know that no matter what evil he had done, his good deeds were more than enough to cancel it all out. He absolutely believed that he himself could earn his way out of the trouble he'd got himself into. And it was a story that when I first heard it, grieved me greatly. I thought that although his argument was clearly not how it worked, could his belief in the resurrection of the body and his faith mean that I could come to face to face with him in heaven? I hadn't seen that he was not and had no intention of living in God's grace. But what about my neighbour? What about my friend? How about a life partner? They may not be carrying the same debit side as the fundraiser I mentioned, but do they believe that they simply have to make sure their credit side outweighs their debit side? Are they living the same lie on a smaller scale? The crux of the matter is crucifixion. It's the symbol of grace that we have chosen to represent our entire faith. Whether we keep an empty cross, because Jesus Christ is risen, he he conquered death, he lives today, or whether we prefer an image of Jesus on the cross to remind us that the price we needed to pay was paid in full for us. The cross is the crux. The grace is the crux. The freeness of the offer is the crux. That's why we showed you the lie that Danny told Sarah. She didn't need to run anywhere to get that. Sorry, Sarah. (laughs) She just needed to say yes to the truth. If we look for the small print, the terms and conditions, the catch, all that we will find is a note that says, you simply need to accept that you need this to be free. So Paul's message is just as important today as it's ever been. It was important when Abraham decided to live by faith since he didn't have a law to keep or break. It was important when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses to show that it was impossible to live by the standards that heaven requires, and it requires them out of necessity. It was important when the Hebrews were in exile and not able to live in their own land. Now it is important because the lies that we are exposed to are not about circumcision 
or the law, but they are still about credit sides and debit sides. Finding ways to earn salvation. It's about being good enough. And whether or not we are desirable to God, and there's a spoiler here, there's no such thing as a person who is undesirable to God. These are lies designed to do anything necessary to stop us from realising that we simply have to take responsibility for our own actions, to recognise that the sin in our lives is ours. And then we are ready to own the free gift of new life that comes from the grace of God because of the cross of Christ through the Spirit who will, when humbly invited, live within us. If there is something there that makes you feel concerned or excited or nervous or confused or inquisitive, please, please come and talk to someone in the prayer chapel or across in the parish centre after the service. There are many ways the Holy Spirit is trying to be heard over the busyness of life and the beliefs we hold because people we trust have taught them to us. If you are feeling any of these things, it may well be that God is saying to you, now is the time to find out more about all of this. It's the next step on a journey. And once you're ready, you'll keep getting these prompts to do something about moving on to the next stage. You can take it as slow and steady as you want, but don't settle for what you've got when, as C.S. Lewis said, there are far greater things ahead than any we leave behind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for this letter from Paul and that it has been translated so many times and in so many languages until it has reached us here today, 2,000 years and 2,500 miles from where it started. We are thankful that over time and that distance, its message remains so powerful. Stop trying to earn salvation. Let me give it to you for free. Help us to accept that we are unable to earn your generosity, that this doesn't even make sense. Help us to have the humility and the courage to accept that we can't be the children of God if we are away from God. Give us the courage to ask others about your love and grace where there are things that niggle us. Make this news of your grace new to us once more as we celebrate it here today and live it throughout the coming week. Amen. going to sing now we have two songs during which time you are more than welcome to come and talk or pray in the prayer chapel if you are able let's stand and sing together